This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 27. And I'll put this challenge out there that if you're going to call yourself a coach, then you've got to constantly be growing to be a great person. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. This is Scott Caulfield. I'm here today with longtime friend Martin Rooney, also the head coach of Training for Warriors. And we are literally here in Charlotte, North Carolina at the NSCA Coaches Conference. All the coaches are rolling in here. The conference is about to start. Martin is kicking it off by presenting first thing today. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, my pleasure, Scott. And uh, yeah, you, uh, hey, for everybody listening right now, if you have not been to an NSAA event, you need to get to one. I've been coming to them for 20 years and the energy is palpable in here. Hopefully I'm going to be able to take it up a notch. And, uh, and I'm going to do a shout out right now too that, hey, the guy you're listening to, uh, Scott Caulfield, uh, don't just think this guy's an academic where I watched this guy pull his all-time best deadlift of 611 pounds, which if he hasn't talked about it on this show, <laughs> uh, I think today when we get deep into the coaching, there's one part about coaching it and there's another part about doing it too. And, and both of those working together only help you out. And uh, I'm going to sing the guy's praises because I watched him do it and he, he, blew, he blew me away that day. So, <laughs> oh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's just another layer of this story. Uh, of us, our friendship and uh, mentorship and thing, all these things that go into coaching. Um, in 2010, I was down at Parisi Speed School flagship, you know, with you, with this mentorship three-day thing. And it was just, it was beyond the X's and O's of uh, this is how you write a training program. This is coaching. We were, we spent time together. We broke bread together. We trained together. And, you know, I was able to get in this crazy deadlift contest with Rich <laughs> Sadiv, one of your training partners and great friends and one of the greatest deadlifters of all time. And, and just it, it was a, a once in a lifetime experience. And for the people that were there still, I think everybody think, you know, has the same like visions of how cool of a, the energy in that room, you know, allowed me to pull a PR of 611, which just wasn't fathomable to me either. I didn't even think about it, you know, like. Well, and hey, <laughs> and I think what's uh, perfect to talk about too, when you think about coaching, is a coach can have an effect on somebody's life or, or somebody can have a coaching experience and it can change their life where, hey, in 2010, you are not, yeah. you know, the uh, running the NSCA right, podcast right. Or, or doing anything. It's not even a vision, yeah. but man, so many's lives changed that yeah, week yeah. and went in certain directions that people are doing such great things. And, uh, and I think that's, that's a big part of hopefully what we cover today yeah. of just that. It's not just the X's and O's. It's not just knowing exercise or science, but there's, there's more that happens that everybody's looking for a coach that can affect their life. Yeah. And you've, in you, your 20 years, you've had so many different experiences too. I think a lot of the listeners are really going to be interested in hearing about your story because you've worked with high school athletes. You've worked with middle school athletes. You've worked with MMA fighters, tactical NFL teams, other professionals. You've worked with ev literally everything under the sun. Your career's kind of come full circle to now where you're coaching so many coaches. Tell us a little bit about 
where it started, because I think that's a cool story. Again, I know some of these stories personally, you know, why you went down that path. Um, you were an athlete, you know, well, how it all transpired. Well, I'll, you know, I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, my, my mom was a phys ed teacher and uh, always had a real influence on me. So physical education, exercise, fitness, sport, that was what I somehow where I wanted to spend my life. I was lucky enough to uh, get a Division One track and field scholarship to college. Uh, and then after that, uh, I got my degree in exercise science and everybody said you should be a physical therapist. So I got into the Medical University of South Carolina. I uh, got my degree in or orthopedic therapy. I got my master's degree in health sciences as well. And uh, I am, uh, but I, in a weird twist of fate, I made the U.S. bobsled team, which I sometimes almost forget about. It was so long <laughs> ago, but I made the U.S. bobsled team and, uh, and got to represent the U.S. and compete. And when my Olympic dream ended with that, that's when I realized, hey, it's time to go to work. And I was a, you know, I became a physical therapist. But at the same time, I became NSCA certified, you know, I, I, as a, a CSCS. And it's kind of funny because that was already telling me, even though it was, I became an orthopedic therapist, I still really wanted to be in the strength and conditioning field. I just couldn't figure out 20, exactly 20 years ago how I was going to do that. And uh, so all the signs were there. But I think the message for everybody listening right now is I became an orthopedic therapist and I did that for three years where I kind of knew that's not really where I wanted to be spending my time, but I still did it. And uh, I think that's a, a lesson for everybody out there. Uh, uh, an important one is don't get real good at something you don't like or you don't yeah. love. Because yeah. I loved sport. Uh, and now realizing it, what it was was coaching. I wanted to yeah. be coaching people. And I was doing that in physical therapy. So if there are any physical therapists listening, hey, it just wasn't my gig. I wouldn't want to uh, take that away from you if that is your thing. But what I am challenging everybody to is if there is something you're super interested in, now looking back 20 years, I wish I would have gone for it earlier and, right. and really took a shot. And so what ended up happening was I started going to seminar after seminar. So now it wasn't just, you know, the, the CSCS. Now I'm going to seminars all over, and I end up sitting next to Bill Parisi on a, on a uh, plane ride to Tyler, Texas. It, w it wasn't even called, it was just called SAQ back then, so yeah, uh, yeah. speed and quickness. And, uh, and by the end of that trip, we got along so great. He was like, man, I need a guy like you in my organization so we can really uh, take over the, the sports performance industry or get it really started. And, uh, and that's what we did. And we started the Parisi Speed School or, you know, the Parisi Speed School really, you know, grew and we grew it into a national franchise. And there were, and there were just so many great opportunities as a result. And that's when I really found you know, my true calling and got the opportunity to yeah, all the things that you said from the NFL teams to the NFL draft picks to the to to the uh, the military to going and consulting major universities. And and that has uh, has led to where I'm at today, right. which is very cool. So you started training for Warriors kind of out of Parisi some, you know, that's where you saw the vision or something that maybe was missing in the industry so you know where did training for warriors come from well it, that, that's an interesting part of the story too is that uh my driver uh for the bobsled team was a guy named todd hayes he's gone on to win the uh, silver medal at the olympics he is now the head coach at uh team canada which is pretty cool for bobsled 
And uh, he was a professional fighter. So he was a professional fighter, and when we were on the team together in, say, 94, 95, he shot uh, the original documentary for uh, MMA called Choke, and I got really, really interested in that. And uh, so when I was a therapist, when I was still a therapist, I uh, started training with Henzo Gracie. So when I came home and my uh, bobsled dream was over, I started training with Henzo Gracie, and that's when he had asked me, hey, can you train our fighters? You know, you, you're really fit. You've lived at the Olympic Training Center. You're, you know, CSCS guy. Hey, can you train our guys for fitness and we'll tr train you for fighting? And as I mentioned, I, that was at the point still, I was still a therapist. I was looking for something in my life. So I really got on board with these guys and took the risk because there were so many people that just said it was crazy. You know, remember, when people hear UFC now, right, right. they think, oh, wow, it's so popular. Yeah. It's so cool. And look, women fight. But back yeah. then, it was a really scary entity that was yeah. banned on TV that nobody believed in. Yeah. And, uh, and I befriended these guys and became the first strength and conditioning guy for MMA because yeah. it, it really didn't exist. Yeah. And, uh, and that ultimately led to books. And the books led to a following for this style of training, but it wasn't fighters. You know, right, remember, right. there's only so many fighters, yeah, but what sure. it was is we started to realize that the actual fitness programming and the training and the concept of being a warrior was applicable to anybody. Yeah. And, uh, and now it's pretty nuts that, you know, 20 years later, since I first started training some of those fighters, uh, now... Uh, the, half the people doing the, our system are women, you know, yeah. which everybody said would never happen. Yeah. It's an adult uh, component, so think of it as more adult fitness. And what I'm really seeing is that's the area that is missing. Where, of course, hey, there is there sports performance. Yes, are there are there coaches available for kids or teens or athletic teams all the way up to the pros? Yes, but who's that coach for? that house mom or weekend warrior that's now out of sports that wants to be yeah, something yeah. again. And that was the void uh, I really went after to fill. And Training for Warriors has, uh, has, has not only become that, but it's, it's just this uh, incredible feeling every day to get emails from people around the world of how their lives have been affected by the coaches that I'm getting the coach in my network. Yeah. And, and that's what I was gonna say too, it's all over the world, literally. Yep. Like every yeah, time so I see your social media, I'm like, where is he now? <laughs> yeah, so, man, in the last handful of years alone, I've been to 35 different countries, not just wow. to present it, but we have locations in almost 30 countries around the world. And and I'll be honest, I, I think what's cool about it is it's the way it's grown organically where I didn't have this vision. Like, hey, when I started with fighters, I didn't say, hey, someday we're going to have this adult fitness yeah. program and, and, uh, and people are going to do it around the world. I was just helping out the fighters, you know, doing the best that I could. And even when it was the original books, it was developing training and protocols that were that, you know, hey, did produce UFC champs and champs in a number of different uh, different uh, organizations for fighting. So we proved this stuff worked. What's interesting is, is I didn't see in the beginning that, hey, you didn't have to be a fighter to do it, right, you know, right. and, and, and that people had to let me know about because yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have been able to see it because I was just training the fighters and the high-end uh, uh, athletes. And, and I'll say now I do a whole lot less of that, but what I'll say is I think my impact has grown uh, bigger, and now at this point in my career, you know, as a coach, I want to be able to impact as many people as possible. So when I change that parent's life, I'm also helping that kid's life. You know, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, it's kind of neat that nothing that I did couldn't help, 
you know, meaning it all helped contribute to it. Meaning sure. I could never, I would never say, hey, I'm, I wish I wasn't a therapist or I didn't have that education or I wish I hadn't, uh, uh, you know, uh, trained kids and, and then also high school or whatever else. I got all of those were fantastic. It's just now I've found my sweet spot yeah. of uh, the ability to probably make the biggest impact I could versus working with, say, a few hundred athletes. Right. And that's honestly one of the reasons that being at the NSC headquarters appealed to me was the bigger impact that I could have over all coaches instead of, you know, just the athletes I was working with at Dartmouth College or, you know, the athletes in a facility that I worked at. But, you know, something, again, that I know is near and dear to your heart, it's near and dear to my heart. I just got uh, finished my master's degree in sport coaching, and we talk a lot about, you and I talk a lot about coaching there's a couple sessions at this conference about coaching, but overall, we don't see a lot about coaching. And, uh, you know, what's been your take on that? I know that you're passionate about it, so I want to hear, you know, where, where you see the gaps and why you've become, you know, why this has been a topic you're presenting on more that I've seen. Yeah, well, you know, to be honest, actually, over the last four or five years, it's the only topic that I've been... Uh, presenting on and and I don't know when it exactly happened but maybe here, here would be a great way to say it is that I think for every coach and and everybody listening right now uh, there's a time when you don't know anything about training and when you start getting into training you're getting into the science and then you're reading more books and you're shooting for a degree or you're shooting for a certification and then you're learning more exercises and then you become this exercise uh, collector or gatherer, you know, and, and I went through the same process. How many push-ups can I learn? How many, how many forms of the bench press? Hey, oh, now there's bands, now there's chains. And you just go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole of actual exercise thinking that's going to be the thing that makes you more valuable. That's going to be the thing that if you just have that silver bullet or you know something new about nutrition or something that all of a sudden you're going to be valuable and you're going to help more people. And I guess over that 20-year span, I started to see that I hit a point where I was starting to see all the stuff I originally learned being recycled. It was all just coming back, but and it was all still the same stuff. But man, I hadn't really grown in value because I knew more stuff. What I saw was the way that I was getting the results, whether it be from state champion teams or uh, working with pros or championship belts, that was because of the effect that I was having on those people, not just during the session, but outside of the session. And more and more, I started to believe that it, it of course, had something to do with the exercises and the stuff that I knew. I would never think that, you know, I'm going to discount a degree or what you know. But what I found was it was like that's almost, if you were to look at a yin and yang symbol, that's only half of it. You know, so like, hey, having 10 PhDs or, or knowing all your stuff and knowing all the science and all the nutrition, the next part was can you get anybody to do it? Right. You know, can you, get, can you get anybody to go home and eat different? Can you get anybody to go home and sleep different? And when I looked at the NFL Combine guys I was working with, that was what was happening to them. It yeah. wasn't the drills. We actually kept stripping drills away and getting it more and more basic to where how I described it is I was trying to do ordinary stuff just extraordinarily well, but get these guys to do stuff that they weren't previously doing. And if I were to hone that down, that's called coaching. Yeah. And, I, and then I started to get on this hunt like to try to read books about that, and yeah. you really couldn't find much. Right? Like we yeah. talked about there, yeah. then there weren't resources, and, and then I started to look into, hey, can I pursue a degree or, or something else in this? And, you know, and there were life coaching courses, right. or there's like right. people that are called a business coach, and, right. and then all of a sudden, even the word itself 
has uh, morphed or been bastardized that it was like when I really dug in deep, I started to see that, man, I don't even know if anybody, you know, it's really hard for anybody to even define what a coach is or not. Does that mean it's somebody with a whistle that yells out instructions and, and, can, and can demean you? Or, or, and then, you, you, know, you know, when you look deep enough, you start to hear all these horrible stories that people have had through it. And, uh, and that's when I really made the decision. That was also where I wanted to do something about that. So I started to dig in deep, interview as many coaches as I could, find any resources that I could, uh, read all the biographies on every coach that, you know, was considered worth this salt on, you know, or had such a huge effect on people. And that's when I started to piece together my philosophy of what uh, coaching was all about. And then I started presenting on it. And then the last three years, I've been presenting a course around the world called Coaching Greatness. And it's a full day I guess you could say mentorship again, like we, like you originally went through, that really uh, pushes the limits of challenging that person of what type of coach they are and what type of coach they want to be, yeah. but give them the tools to to see what at least my philosophy on what a coach should be, but then also how do they rate themselves and how can they improve? Yeah, and I think uh, I'm, I'm sure you cover it, but a lot of it too, right, is thinking about what you stand for, what yep. values you oh, want to represent. And I love the, the quote that I've stolen from you a million times. You know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah, right. at the centerpiece, and that's what I think is interesting when you really dig in deep, is, uh, hey, of course coaching is X's and O's, and of course coaching, like like we talked about, the pedagogy that you might get in school where they teach you how to line up or right. now how to give an instruction or, hey, how to give some feedback or yeah. maybe even everybody's heard, uh, you know, praise in public or, right, or right. Uh, criticize in private. Like these are all pieces, but there's there's so much more in a heart of a heart and soul yeah. uh, to coaching. And, uh, and it does start, and here's the greatest part for anybody listening too, and I'll put this challenge out there, that if you're gonna call yourself a coach, then you've gotta constantly be growing to be a great person. Because ultimately, I think that's what the coach should be creating, because whether it's sport, and uh, well, hey, you know what? Sport's gonna be over someday. So okay, great, you got somebody in the NFL, but he's a bad person, and he ends up doing bad things. Then you didn't win that one, you know? Yeah. Or even, hey, you're a fitness coach, and you got a private facility, and, and hey, there's a life cycle to that. There's gonna be people that they, they come for a few years and they go. That's just how this business works. But did you have an effect that impacts them positively through your coaching that regardless when they're gone or not, they're a better person? Yeah. And the way to make that happen is you got to be better, which goes back to your values. It goes back to what you stand for. And that's why I think coaching is, is not only exciting, but here's another bold statement. I will say that I think coaching is the most important job in the world. Yeah. And uh, I'll use this example. I was just out in uh, Las Vegas, and then before that, you know, then I was in Boston, and then I was somewhere else. And all there are is these shirts. It's like Vegas strong, Boston right, strong, right. all these things. And you know what? Every time I see that word, it's always unfortunately celebrating something really bad that happened yeah. that we're supposed to be bonding right. together. And uh, one thing that I will say is when I hear these tragic events or I hear certain, certain stuff happen sometimes where it's, especially when it's somebody that did something out of the blue, I usually say, hey man, I bet that person didn't have a good coach. I bet that yeah. person didn't have somebody that showed an interest in them, showed them what their gifts were, showed them that they could take on the world, that things would be okay. Like obviously these people that are at their end of their ropes, if you probably look down the history of their life, they probably didn't either have good parents, teachers, coaches, right. whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, see, hey, Doctors are important, lawyers are important, but man, 
world needs coaches. Yeah, we need. Them. And uh, and and that's like my personal mission yeah. uh, with my organization. That's what I, you know. That's why they wear a coach on their back right. because we're trying to make them into that. But also, uh, my just my personal mission trying to teach parents that they're coaches. Uh, you know that everybody is. Yeah. You know, every, actually everybody is. Whether you're a teammate, coach, right. business owner, whatever it is, you are a coach to somebody else. And if you could coach somebody up. Which is a skill right. uh, that you got to learn, or you don't right. know. If you, if everybody was doing that, you yeah. know, whether you want to call it pay it forward, whatever, you know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a random act of kindness. No, I'll yeah. call it coaching people up. If enough people did that, man, the world would change. Yeah, and uh, you know, you've you've alluded to it. You've you've said it in a different way. I'm going to say it in a different way. But your uh, your values have to match your practice, right? So you know, we. Um, I've, I've I wrote an article that's coming out uh, in a month or two in the NSCA Coach Journal about coaching philosophy and training philosophy, and uh, I said a lot about like if you say one thing and then you don't necessarily do it, you know, then that sometimes we might not even notice it though, and that's why we have to reevaluate values and beliefs and write goals down. But if we look at our coaching practice. And we realize that I say, wow, man, I really, I really want um, my athletes to be empowered and to be able to, you know, take initiative and this and that. But I never actually give them an opportunity to take initiative or never give them an opportunity. Then my practice is not matching yeah. my values. So, the, you know, really getting people empowered from coaching to then go forward and realize that they can make changes, whatever. Even, you know, like you were saying about obviously, you know, um, being able to pull a great deadlift, right? Now, everybody doesn't have to be jacked to be a strength coach, right? But I don't care if you train for a triathlon or marathons or whatever it is. You should have trained at least for something if you're going to be a coach of fitness to people. You should at least have something, right, to, to impart your wisdom. Well, I know what it was like to train for X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more where, hey, I don't want anybody to listen and say, oh, that's discrimination. That's not fair. But here's here's how I'll I'll uh, trump that argument. And uh, hey, if you needed uh, if you needed brain surgery, would you go to a good brain surgeon? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you'd go to you'd want <laughs> right. to go to the best one and yeah. you'd want to go to the one that studied the craft and knew what they were doing. Yeah. If you went to a piano teacher, would you? Uh, would you want the one that knows how to play piano? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. If you went to a martial arts instructor, would you want the one that knows right. is a black belt? Right. Right. And yet, I think sometimes in fitness, it's like okay to, hey, we're going to give out orders and tell people how to eat and how to train. Like you know, I'll tell you what, the yeah. thing that breaks my stones uh, the most, and and for everybody listening to, hey, I again, I have been on every level, every level, and and now where I'm talking about is just kind of like, hey, on the gym floor, the turf, that's where I live, that's what I like, and. Uh, there's nothing that gets me more than watching somebody that's just made up a workout probably an hour before and then that they've never done it, will never do it, and yeah. destroy regular people right. with it or whatever else. And, and see, that's not co – again, like, you see how this is where it's cool because we're, we're, we're dancing around the world. But see, that is not coaching. Right. That's uh, – uh, use an exercise as torture yeah. or uh, just or here's what it, you would call that that's exhausting so right. you're just <laughs> exhausting someone yeah. where uh, for instance what I'll be presenting on today at the NSA will be about energizing people like I think the job of a coach is to energize somebody so they're they're better than before they met you yeah. you know either for that hour like that's what I'll make this guarantee whoever comes to see me for this workout today they're going to be a little bit better and there's going to be something that sticks in their head 
that they're going to be different afterwards. And it's not going to be uh, because we did a, a med ball slam or a, a kettlebell deadlift or something like that. Those are just the vehicles. You know, th those, are that, those are my tools that I get to use my coaching with. Yeah. And it's the same way that, hey, but then if I'm coaching my kids at home or other people in my business, I'm still coaching them to make them better. So, it's, yeah, so ultimately it, there are these principles behind it that these are the things I think we all need to either be talking about more or discovering more, but still it, it's, it's exciting because it's a brand new, you know, I think there's still a, a room for everybody to learn a lot of stuff. You, you hire a lot of people. You have a lot of people working in, you know, facilities and working with coaches. What are things that are kind of key uh, traits or assets that you're looking for when you want you, you know, someone that's going to wear TFW and coach on their shirt? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. And that's a great question where I think the old way of thinking might be like, oh, wow, this person has 10 degrees or, oh, this person has uh, a huge uh, background in fitness. Uh, and, and those are important. So without a doubt, you, wanna, you definitely want to see, uh, I guess what I would call it is like aptitude, like have they had the ability to finish things through? Have they had the ability to study it that they show that it's their passion? But what I would say is even more important than that is the attitude. You know, so is it like, do they want to help people? Like, do they genuinely want to see people get better? And that's what excites them. Because it's kind of interesting that, hey, sometimes the, the quote-unquote coaches I've met, they're not that interested in other people. They're, you know, they're sometimes way, way more interested in themselves. And that, I think, uh, unfortunately, hey, in coaching, if you've been in it long enough, it's, it's, not a th it's a thankless job sometimes. I mean, the job of the coach is to give and to give and to give. And you don't always get back, right. you know, and, right. and, and that's not why you're expecting it. Yeah. So what I would say is if there is this real altruism that you want to help people and you really enjoy seeing people make changes and you're at that point in your life, uh, that is more important to me than what you know, because we can teach you more of this stuff, yeah. but I can't teach you to be, I can't teach you to be a great person. Right, you know? right. And then how, I mean, how do I go about becoming a better coach aside from and you have a course you know they're, they're they can go to see some specific presentations but like if that's really something i need to get better at yeah well there's a lot of different ways to skin that cat i mean obviously it depends on you know one what type of learner you are and what type of level that you're currently at one thing that i would always recommend is hey you should get around uh, people you consider great coaches. So being able to be around people, because, hey, you can read about it in a book all you want. I think that's a, that's a tougher way to go. Like where I got good at coaching was putting my feet on those turf and coaching thousand sessions. Like that's how, that's how, and, and, and for everybody listening too, I'd love to be able to say I was a great coach from the start. I wasn't. I can remember when I started, the way I got better was by making a lot of mistakes. It was, but learning from them, yeah. you know, uh, ultimately learning not to make those mistakes again. So from, from how I would cue stuff to how I approached people to trying to learn people's individual styles, all there's so much to it, which is really, really neat. But I would definitely recommend you've got to either, whether you say it's intern or mentor or spend time around people, and then I do think also then it's, it's hey, what books are on your shelves? You know, where, where are you spending your time? What are you, 
what are you really focused on? But then it's also putting it into practice and, yeah. and, and trial and error, taking shots on new things that you learn and seeing how it goes. Yeah, and um, you know, you've put in the 10,000 plus hours coaching. You, you've got a family. Uh, a big family. Yep. <laughs> You're all over the world. How are how are you able? Because I think this is a question that comes up with a lot of our listeners: is the coaching lifestyle is somehow sometimes not conducive to all these other things? Having a social life, being a a family person, like I want to do these other things. How are you able to manage all this different stuff? And well, hey, for everybody again, listen. I'd love to be able to say. I'm the gold standard or like, or I really know what I'm doing, but uh, I'm always still figuring it out too. I, the word that I would always try to use is balance, but it's, it is unbalanced. Like I will say, you've heard my history today, 20 years for a lot of those years. Now, Hey, for the, the first say of the last 20, the first six of them, I didn't have any kids. So I, literally my wife understood she was a teacher and literally all I did was this. Uh, I didn't really have a social life and what I did was study to try to master my craft and that was a decision I made. Now when we had kids, that is interesting that that was a game changer for me where I can remember my wife saying, hey, you can't go into work at 6 a.m. and come home at 10 p.m. counting out the registers at night anymore. Like, you know, you gotta start being home. And that is interesting where that's where I started crystallizing my ideas, creating DVD series and, and different stuff that allowed me uh, to still generate revenue but get home, you know. So it was kind of interesting that the kids actually forced me to become more creative and, and develop my skills even further so that I, it didn't just require uh, I guess hands-on hours all day long. And uh, But what I would ultimately say is it's deciding, I guess, what's most important at that time where I always believed that if I spent enough time and developed myself, then, then I would be able to take care of my family and I, and I would be able to do that. And, and as a result, there were sacrifices that I had to make where even today, I don't make all the stuff or all the events. I have four daughters. You know, I got one that's on track, one that's in swimming, and I try to get to everything. But with my travel schedule and, and with who I'm trying to be in this industry, it's uh, the balance is definitely hard, yeah. right? But yeah. hey, but we just we just got back from a family vacation. I try to do a few of those a year, which I think is very important. And then maybe the best advice I could give too, which I'm still working on too, is uh, it's about being present. You know, so actually, yeah. it's kind of been my my resolutions for the last few years to continue to improve, improve on it. That when you are there be there yeah. and because uh, I wasn't always good at that like as the cell phones came up and, right. and now anybody can access you at any second yeah. I've gotten better at better at being able to shut that off and turn that off so that I can be with my kids for the time that I have with them yeah and it's double-edged sword too because with all the social media and you own a business you have to be on top oh, it's, of it it's you have to be good at it yeah yeah it's non-stop and 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 it is true like yeah you're we're not even talking about those things where from uh there's the coaching part and my business part, but then there's the speaking that I do, and then, yeah. hey, it's the nonstop writing. Right. Hey, I got a podcast as well. Yeah, like, you know, it's yeah. uh, there's a, a relentless amount of stuff that is required, but I will say again, there's that idea of balance, there's the idea of being present, and maybe this is the key to it, is have a schedule. Yeah. Like, don't let the schedule run you, run the schedule. Okay. And uh, that's definitely helped me out a lot too. Yeah. And you talked about speaking, uh, you know, you're one of the 
best speakers that I've seen. You're dynamic. You're engaging. <laughs> it's fun. You make people laugh. You get people work hard. I, I assume you haven't always just been this incredible public speaker. No, not so. Uh, you yeah. know how how did how did you become better at or you know did you realize that was something you were good at and that you could kind of work more on like how did that come about well it's it's kind of a funny story yeah i never saw myself hey i, I was not a great writer and i definitely wasn't a, a great speaker there's a time when i was neither of those things and because the business required it i had to develop those skills so in the beginning when we were building the business we needed somebody to speak a couple right. days a week to people that we were trying to sell you know another yeah. one i wasn't good at sales i wasn't yeah. good at marketing and it's interesting that at least now in the private sector, these are all skills that you gotta, you got to really have a handle on. And, and that's what's interesting, too, is that in the fitness industry now, you got to be pretty multifaceted in a, in a lot of different areas. And, and they excite me, though, so they're fun. So do I like presenting? Of course. Do I like writing? Absolutely. But the, again, though, how did I do it? It was a whole lot of bad free speeches <laughs> for a long time. I, and I tell people that a lot because somebody will say to me, hey, how do you, you know, I just saw you spoke for this big organization or, hey, you're speaking for Prudential or you're speaking for Nike. And, you know, how, how do you, uh, how do you, you know, how do I get that? And it's like, well, you, you, you know, do it for free for 15 years bad and then you get good at it and, and somebody notices. And, uh, you know, so what are we saying there is ultimately, it's been a whole lot of practice and, and studying the craft. And, and maybe that's just part of me, too, is that I don't want to do a bad job. So it's, it's always, I've always just been real driven that if I'm going to do something, I want to do it really well. And, uh, and I've put in the work to make that happen. And, and, hey, for coaching, for anything, like, you have to, you know, I don't know. There's no other formula. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And we talked about, um, like mentorship and training partners, how important like has that been for you? I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but you know, how do how do you find uh, someone that you think can mentor you? And because I think as you do, I know you know mentorship's a two way street. It's not just that I'm being mentored by you and I'm take taking taking. There's a lot of kind of give and take. And where where do people you know, if they, how do they seek out a mentor and where, where does that come into play? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, there's that old line that when the student's ready, the teacher will appear kind of thing. Like at least, hey, as I've already told you my stories from that guy, Todd Hayes, to Bill Parisi, to Henzo Gracie, all these guys that were real mentors to me, especially at the beginning of my career. I guess you could say they appeared, but it was like I was chasing something, too, you know. And uh, so I, my suggestion would be, hey, what is it that you're chasing? And if there's a name that keeps coming up and, and you even say to yourself, hey, I'd like to be around that guy, what I would suggest is, hey, write him, write him and, and see about it. Because yeah. you know what? More often than not, if you ask somebody, hey, how did you do this or how did you do that? People are there to help out, yeah. you know. And, uh, and that's what I've, hey, for, when I was young, coming up in the industry, there were always so many people that helped me out. And uh, I've always done my best to try to help people, you know, in, you know, vice versa. You know, now that right. I'm in a role where people are, you know, they, they care what I think. Right. <laughs> so, right. so, but ultimately, yeah, I think, hey, one, you got to choose wisely, but also maybe be respectful, too, of what people are doing. But it could just be the littlest thing that somebody says where, hey, over the years, you know, even the, the guys that I've gotten to present alongside from uh, Mike Boyle and Todd Durkin yeah, and yeah. Gray Cook and all of these guys, like every one of them, you know, we may not spend tons of time together or Alan Cosgrove, like we'll get together at some of these things and man, you might just hear one little thing yeah, yeah. and it can have this huge effect. So yeah. 
So I consider this circle of mentors that I have, you know, uh, really big and really great. But but I'm also choosy on who who those people are and who I'm listening for to. For sure, for sure. What's uh what's kind of the best thing would you say about your job currently? <laughs> I, what I would say uh, is it's the emails that I receive now from people around the world that I haven't met that are writing me to tell me how my program has positively impacted their life. I mean, I, I almost call it my addiction now where I will get a, a letter and some woman has lost 50 pounds or some guy just battled back from cancer or, or uh, somebody else is now, they, they, they've healed their relationship with their child. Stuff that I just never saw coming that when you sit back and you see these things happen, how I try to say it, Scott, is it's almost like a, like a rock into the pond, you know, and those ripples are happening. Yeah. And what's happening now is, you know, with Training for Warriors, I threw a big rock into the pond, and yeah. these ripples are going, and they're, and they're hitting places I, I don't, you know, unless I really take a look to see where they are, holy cow, it's, yeah. it's far and wide. And, and it really is, I guess you could say, humbling where I'm not going to take away from the, the high school state championships or working with the pros or the military stuff or, or, the, or being in the corner in the UFC. Like, I would never trade any of those things. But at the same time, none of those things maybe had to have the same impact as, like, some of this, you know, stuff that we're seeing. Like, for instance, this year, one of the, the, the our, in 2017, the coolest thing our organization did is we raised over $100,000 for one of the coaches in our network who is battling cancer, and that oh. money is going to go for her, ki her four daughters wow. uh, to go to college. And uh, for me to be able to tell her that, yeah. and she didn't know about it, and she's crying, and the yeah. family's crying, and, like, yeah. that, like, I don't know, like, that is it's just this icing on the cake that I now the size of the organization or our ability to do things like that it's uh I you know hey when we would win a state championship right around this time of year on the floor of Giant Stadium that was a moment I would never trade either but this one I think is is showing me off of where I'm at now yeah. in my life even more and that yeah. hey sometimes there are things more important than winning games yeah. or uh you know, because those four girls that are now going to have a shot at college and maybe their lives change because of that and then maybe their kids' lives change because of that or whatever else, yeah. man, there's, there's some real reach there. And that's the stuff now that I only want more to happen. Yeah, that's super cool, man. You guys are doing some really neat stuff. How about this uh, as a business owner and you have a multiple levels of your business, what are some, like, myths or misconceptions about people that are just – Maybe thinking, oh, yeah, man, I'm just going to start my own uh, performance gym. Because I think it is, I think people think nowadays, you know, that it's a little bit easier to kind of get into the field as far as opening your own gym goes. Um, but what would you kind of tell people who may? Th well, here's what I would definitely say. And, and it's kind of interesting you say that because also over the last couple of years, I've been, uh, you know, even last year on the Perform Better Tour, I was brought out to speak on business, yeah. you know, and the, and the business of fitness. And here's what I would say. It's, uh, hey, the business is always changing. But just like we just talked about today with coaching, and I hope everybody listening, maybe it spurred you and you're like, wow, you know what? He's right. Like, man, maybe there's more I could learn about coaching. Or maybe there's, holy cow, I haven't dug in as deep as I could. Well, hey, you think, you think coaching you got to dig deeper? Uh, well, if you have no business background, you have no business acumen, you have no background in either marketing or sales, and you don't have 
some money behind you and and really understand everything from selecting a facility in the lease agreement to getting going to building a staff and running a business guys uh, i've watched more people in our industry which this is the part that breaks my heart you know how you said hey what's the cool part of it it's it's seeing all the results of what happens with people you know what the thing that breaks my heart is watching a lot of people leave our industry because they couldn't make it in this industry and i see that a lot you know in the last year alone a number of people I saw that they either become teachers or firemen or cops because it's like this safe, secure job because they had to close down their business because they couldn't make it. And, uh, and that isn't because they don't have passion and it isn't because that they didn't have talent or a background. It's because they didn't either understand business or here's another thing to take a look at too is should you should you own a business because not everybody should. Right. Like, hey, maybe some people should just be a coach and, and really rock a program and do great and and be able to go home without the pressures and and do that and yeah. and I think the mistake is people in our industry today they've been a coach for a while they either made it to the university level or something or something and then it's like all of a sudden they think it's time to now they got to open up their own facility with a logo on the wall right. that right, they right, came right. up with and uh, that can be a very dangerous proposition if you're not in it for you know not only the right reasons but uh, but you really know what you're getting yourself into. Because yeah. the last thing you want to do is lose your your money and right. your career and 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 go backwards. Right. No. And but that's why training for warriors is in place. Where what we have is, instead of somebody just doing something on their own, we have a whole business system behind it where we can help people. We have the education for them not right. to know how to do it. Just like you see a lot of different companies out there sure. that are doing that. So so definitely, I would say that maybe when you say, hey, what's the mistake is. Holy cow, somebody just tries, you know, they, they sat down at a table, they made a logo up, they know some cool workouts, and now they right. think they're going to open a business, which yeah. uh, there's a whole lot more to it than that. Yeah, no, I think that's a good for people to hear just, you know, and you could probably do an entire podcast on the trials oh. and tribulations <laughs> of uh, business ownership, but that, that'll be uh, round two probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, well, hopefully if anybody, if everybody, anybody's liking this or enjoying it, man, Scott and I could, we could do one of these a month and I'm sure we'd have we'd have nonstop information for everybody yeah um, we've alluded to a couple times you're going to talk here a little bit about the creating a high energy coaching session what are kind of um, this this podcast will come out a little bit later after the fact of this you know after this conference but what are kind of some of the big takeaways that you are hoping that people will take away today from this session well definitely I think the first one is if I and here's what I would say point blank is if you don't have enthusiasm like if you are not fired up you're not getting anybody else fired up right like there's that old saying I use it a lot where if you're not on fire you're not going to make anybody burn so so I know in 40 minutes time I got to be on fire like I got to be pumped up so that they get pumped up and uh and you know what it'd be easy to say oh I'm not enthusiastic like you Martin no well then you got to act like it you know, like, hey, it's okay. I get it, man. Like, my job, too. I'm tired. Hey, even today, hey, maybe I'd rather be home with my kids than right. be here to do this, right. but I'm not going to act like that. I'm going to yeah. act on fire yeah. and be as enthusiastic as possible to get these other guys on fire. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I'm hoping that, one, they feel a little bit of that fire, and I'm going to challenge them that, like, guys, the biggest lesson they could learn is not, like, some exercise we did. Yeah. It's going to be how I got them to feel after they left and like that that's their job too, you know? So that's lesson number one. And then I guess, uh, 
you know, other stuff that I want them to get to from it too is that here would be another example too is coaching is not writing a workout on a wall, they come in and do it, and you just kind of stand there and watch them. Like, I think coaching is this nonstop of just being all over everybody and, yeah. and, and really showing an individual interest and, and getting somebody a little bit, like we said before, a little bit better than before you met them. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and that's what I'm, you know, think about it. I've got an hour with, we don't know how many people that I've right. never met before in right. my <laughs> life. So my, so my, yeah. my overall expectation can't be like, oh, wow, you know, I'd love to be able to say, hey, I'm going to change yeah, everybody's yeah. lives right, and they're going right. to, you know, now like you, they're, you're going to, they're going to move across the country and take, <laughs> right. take over the NSCA. <laughs> but, uh, but ultimately, hey, I want to leave them way better than before I met them. Now, and then imagine if I had them for a hundred sessions like that. Yeah. And here would be another one, what I'm going to definitely do today too, is I'm going to push them to see, challenge themselves to see how great they can really be. So down to something as simple as a jumping jack, yeah. you can do it half-ass yeah. or you can go all in. And what I'm going to be pushing for to show them, like, that's why there's a coach. Because yeah. I will say this, too. Everybody listening, you better be real nervous. So if you do like your career and you do like what you're doing right now, here's what I would challenge you. You ready? Could somebody make a machine or a, a video thing or something else that now they don't need you anymore? And it'd be real easy to say, oh, no, no way, no way. Well, you know what? I'm looking around this room and I'm seeing <laughs> some stuff yeah. like that. But what I don't think something could replicate is that kind of skin-to-skin, yeah. on-fire enthusiasm of a hands-on coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know. Like, I think everybody could be that because, it's the mo I, again, I believe it's the most rewarding job yeah. in the world when, when you get somebody better and you get this person to get this result that they were always looking for. And whether it's a hug or a high five or something that happens to you. And what I'm hoping is I think this is the perfect time of year for me to be that reminder right yeah, off and kickstart yeah, this absolutely. thing. Uh, you know, right up in the pants <laughs> of, yeah. of, hey, guys, we can't forget we're coaches too. So yeah. whether you want to call yourself a trainer or a strength and conditioning guy or whatever yeah. else, like you're, you're all, or a parent or a yeah. teacher, you're also a coach and we can't forget it. Yeah, that personal connection, that caring, yeah, that's, that's the difference in that app or whatever it is that, that we're going to make. Um, cool, I've got a couple kind of go-to questions. I, I didn't give you as much warning as I give some people with these, but uh, <laughs> if people listen to the show, uh, I've gotten used to them. But if you could have dinner or conversation with any, up, up to three people, doesn't have to be three, uh, living dead or fictional character, who would it be? <laughs> yeah. Instead, you should ask me about the Krebs cycle instead. <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, well, here's what I would, and I guess it would be easy. Like maybe some people have answered like famous people or, uh, I don't know, like a religious leader or something, but I would probably go much closer to home. And you know where we go now, thinking back on my family is I would love to have my two grandfathers, actually, and my grandmothers too, but, uh, in, in particular, my mother's father died right before I was born. He was a writer, you know, and it's kind of like I write now, which yeah. I think is really interesting. And then my grandfather, my father's father, uh, he was a boxer. And, you know, and I got into the fighting thing. So it's like yeah. I'm a product of all these people. Yeah. And he died when I was really young. And cool. I don't think I ever got to – I would love to, like, have, man, one dinner to yeah. see, like, what what did you guys think about or what were you guys like or, or – or even, to be honest, to tell them some of the stuff I am yeah, doing or yeah, what I did that cool. I think yeah. sometimes I look back and I never got to, 
I, I do regret that, that they didn't, you know, now as my kids, their grandparents are still here, and they get yeah. to see them do all these things. I didn't get that where, uh, one, I'd love to know them, but two, maybe that they'd see what I was doing too. Yeah, that's super cool. That's super cool. And how about if you weren't, if you weren't in current position that you're in, but you were in same kind of time length, but totally different career, what do you think you would be doing? Hmm. Um, Guessing it probably wouldn't be physical therapist. <laughs> you know what's funny, though? And again, hey, everybody listening, there is nothing wrong with it. I enjoyed my time with that and, and, and helping people. So to be honest, I guess what I might go with is even a little deeper, and it probably would have been a doctor, you yeah. know, that uh, uh, now having been through it, I think I would have loved uh, that effect maybe on yeah. on some people but also I don't know like I guess I am a writer and a speaker where I would say those are two things I'm kind of doing yeah. but but I would love to I'd love to you know maybe you know write some bestseller or something like that where yeah. I've never had the opportunity to just sit back and yeah. just just write just and that's focus all on writing, yeah. but uh so ultimately you know I have I still have visions of doing a lot of things yeah. you know yeah, the, yeah. the rest of my life but but it but here's what I would say and, and why none of those answers are that great. And this is how we started the conversation today, too, is but I am doing what I love. And I am. Do, I, and like, guys, for everybody listening, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And how do I know? Because I have an energy and enthusiasm about it that I didn't have for other things that is getting yeah. people excited. And uh, that tells me that I wouldn't want to do something else. So you yeah, see how I'd be yeah. like, well, maybe I'd be a doctor, but like, but that's not what I really right. want to do. I want to yeah. be in the strength and conditioning field, being a coach, affecting as many people as possible, traveling around the world, yeah. speaking, yeah. writing, and, and that's yeah. exactly what I'm doing. So for anybody listening, if I were to throw that question out to you, hey, what else would you be doing? And if you came up with a real quick answer and it's something right. you'd rather do more than what you're doing right now, Probably then man, be. you should, yeah, yeah, you should maybe <laughs> think about pursuing that because that was the wrong answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's me coaching you up, <laughs> you know. So so remember that too. Yeah, I'm not saying those things. As a coach, you don't say those things to bring it down. Just like, yeah. hey, when you went through that mentorship, right. uh, some of those questions were, what do you really want to do? Like, yeah. is this what yeah. you want to be doing? And hey, Scott had a really cool position at a, yeah. at a prestigious uh, Ivy League university. But there's, some, but now, now imagine that's, you know, not saying right. that that's all you would still be doing, but, but meaning now that you're not doing this, yeah. you're not affecting as many people. Right. So uh, there is always big questions to ask, yeah. and they're not, and although they're hard, that's what a coach has to ask people. Yeah, to do. absolutely. No, it's great. Um, people listening in, they want to get more involved. They want to reach out to you. How do people track you down? What's um, the best way to reach you? I think the the easiest stuff is uh, Facebook. That's where I spend a lot of my time now. But if you want to, uh, if you want to either learn more from me or check more out, you can check out trainingforwarriors.com or, hey, check out the Into the Roar podcast. Different uh, than yeah. this one yeah, a little yeah. bit. So if you need a little more motivation or as a coach, you want to have some motivating stuff that you can take to the people you're working with, yeah. uh, that's how I kind of put that one together. And, uh, you know, it's had a couple hundred thousand downloads in the last year we've yeah, done it. So people definitely. really yeah. are enjoying it. Yeah. But uh, but ultimately, uh, my wish for everybody out there is, hey, hopefully this inspired you some way and and ultimately drives you to continue to investigate deeper into being a coach, which I think that's what the coaching podcast is all about. Cool. Thank you again for being on. I'm super excited to hear you present here in a few minutes. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, no pressure. Now yeah, I gotta, no pressure, now I gotta man. Now i to shift gears and get ready for that. <laughs> but again, thanks for being on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. My pleasure, Scott. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. 
The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.